Welcome to EdTech Speaks, a podcast bringing guests together to share their expertise and advice on navigating business and education in a technology-driven world. From entrepreneurs to vendors, higher education to corporate leaders, we'll uncover their perspective regarding the latest trends and technologies impacting your career or business. Our podcast is made possible by Downing EdTech Consulting, where people and technology connect. Hosted by Cher Downing, an experienced executive spanning a higher education and corporate career with specific focus on the EdTech industry, Dr. Downing is also an international and national presenter, author, and regular media contributor. Now here is your host, EdTech strategist, Dr. Cher Downing. Hi, everyone. Welcome to EdTech Speaks, a podcast where we bring guests to share their expertise and advice on navigating business and education in a technology-driven world. Our goal is to provide you with options for products, services, and knowledge that can help benefit you or your business. I'm Cher Downing, your host, and I want to introduce today's guest, John D'Amato. Hi, John. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me on. So excited to have you on here today because I want you to talk to us about the wonderful work that you do in the world of photography and talk to us about your business. So share with us. I am a branded lifestyle portrait photographer, virtual photographer, and once upon a time, a live event photographer that serves experts. I work with speakers, authors, trainers, consultants, expert-based business owners that are looking to create an emotional connection with their audience through what I call persuasive visual storytelling. So John, brand advice is so exciting right now, but especially because of how we are all now working on Zoom or any other type of virtual technology that's delivering us. Talk to us a little bit about how you're using the technology and still maintaining doing uh, that brand packaging in photography over live in videotape. (laughs) Right. Well, the long and short of it is my clients migrated to Zoom and so did I. The need for the live event, obviously with the pandemic going on, the live event space is shrunk to basically nothing across the world. So the people that I work with have migrated to places like Zoom and WebEx and all of those kind of places. And essentially the goal of these virtual photos is the same as the live event version. It's to create an opportunity for my clients to show what the experience of working with them on a screen looks like. And what I'm trying to accomplish with these photos is to show off the speaker, the presenter, the expert's expression, emotion, the way that they convey their frameworks and their IP through their presentations. So it's photos of them speaking on a like full screen mode. If there's an audience, we show the gallery mode. If they engage their audience to interact through the chat box or the reactions or through polls, I capture all of that as well. The whole idea behind it is for these experts to be able to show 
people that would be interested in hiring them for their organization or for their teams to come on in and educate them on whatever they do. And we do that by showing what that now looks like on laptop screens and phones and tablets and things like that. Well, and I can tell our audience, and we will be giving you his website, but it is fascinating and it is just really unusual and really striking to see individuals in a different organizational structure, but still have the beauty of seeing them as a photograph. As you see someone who's presenting, that's something that's very impactful and very real right now. It's it's part of what we're doing every day in business and for the unforeseen future, we're going to keep doing. So the thing that I like about it though, John, is that you really capture every individual. In other words, For every person that you've done photos, I can honestly say, looking at your site, that no two are exactly the same because you take into consideration what that individual brings to the table, who their audience is, what they're trying to uh, convey, and even just something as simplistic as what kind of personality are they? I personally like the ones that you do where they're people that are just really fun personalities. Maybe they wear bright colors or just are doing something really cool. You capture that and people don't even realize sometimes that that is part of their business marketing. Absolutely. I mean, anytime that you're in front of a professional camera with the goal of creating marketing assets, it needs to be treated all in the same manner. All things are fair, regardless of whatever the modality happens. Regardless if you're in person, if you're on a screen, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, these photos are photographed with the same intention, the same purpose, and the same approach as I do people in real, real spaces in the same room. Because it creates a level of consistency and continuity from from photo to photo to photo across their entire online presence. We're talking website, social media, their blog, promotional avenues, all of it. We want it all to look and feel the same. And that's why now I incorporated the virtual photography component, which was its standalone thing during the height of the pandemic earlier this year. And now it's a part of the fold for the branded lifestyle portrait packages, because I want to ensure that if you do things that require you to be on a screen, those images are important to be seen by those that might see you as the solution to their problems. And, you know, we've all been there where you've looked at a picture, maybe you're going to meet someone. And so you look at their photo on the website and then you meet them in person. And your first Mm. thought is, wow, uh, that picture was 10 or 12 years old. Um, (laughs) It's not something that you want representing you, that you've had something that's really old sitting out there or maybe is blurry, you know, done on your iPhone kind of concept. When you look at that photo of that person that looks completely different from the person that's standing right in front of your face, how does that affect the perception you have about that person? That's a great question. There are there are two things that come to mind. The first one that flips across for me is the obvious one, you know, wow, they've never updated their photo, which for me means they're not caring enough about the level of detail that I may want them to have. 
The second thing that comes to mind is you're professing to me that, you know, you are professional and trustworthy and, you know, we're going to build a relationship, whether that's a business relationship or we're going to co-author something. And yet you haven't really been truthful with me from the get go. So, you know, there's a level of distrust that's there. And then there's just a level of, wow, if you don't really care enough to update that, are you going to care enough to do the things I need you to do? Yeah, I've run across that before. The trust issue is big for some of my clients uh, when I've addressed that with them in regards to other types of uh, uh, other colleagues that we may or may not know. And that has come up. But I think, you know, because we've become so digital savvy and because it's now part of every day, it's really important. We wouldn't put paragraphs out there, hopefully, that are, you know, 10 years old. We wouldn't put our biography or, you know, our about us section out there and not update it. Why? Because those things are important. We want people to know that we completed a degree or we completed a certification or, you know, we got a new job or we want all those things out there. So the fact that you then wouldn't carry that through is really can be assigned to people. Absolutely. One of the hesitations that a lot of people that tend to not want to update their photos. Sure, there's a financial component for some, but for the vast majority of people that tend to avoid the camera and they, they use older photos is because they hate the process. They're either unhappy with the way they look or they just simply don't feel comfortable staring at hundreds of photos of themselves and they just avoid the process. But what they don't realize is that shoots them in the foot on the back end of that because of the two things that you just pointed out, which point out the necessity to be up to date and current with your content because it's sending direct messages to people that you ultimately want to align with in one way, shape or form. And they're dropping the ball on it. For people who don't like looking at hundreds of photos, which is probably a good majority, none of us really like looking at pictures of ourselves at that intense level. What do you recommend for them doing doing that and, and picking out a good picture of themselves? What are some things they should look for? Well, the first thing they should look for is a photographer that is willing to review the photos with them one by one to help give them that extra pair of eyes that are hypercritical and are not connected in an emotional way to the images like a spouse would be or a sibling or another type of family member or a friend or the makeup artist that's in the room or other people that are not directly involved with the photos. It's important that they be guided to be able to do that. And uh, fortunately, you know, I love the process of doing that. I, (laughs) every time that I finish a parented portrait session with a client, I tell them, all right, now we're going to the best part. We're going to look at all the photos. It's like Christmas morning unwrapping all the gifts. (laughs) Some of them you're going to like, some of them you're going to hate, but some of them you're going to love. And that is what we're going for. We go in with the knowledge that not all of them are going to be winners and some of them are going to just look downright awful for various reasons. And that's okay. And But the key is to be discriminating 
but also open and curious enough to be able to make it through the whole pile because these are your calling cards. These are, these photos represent in one way or another your digital introduction to people. And people are going to qualify you immediately the moment they land on it. And it could be any number of them. It could be a headshot on a profile page. It could be a social post that someone shared. It could be one of your blogs. It could be someone landing on your website through a referral. Either way, you want them to be welcomed with photos that aptly represent aspects of your personality, that position you as the authority in your space, and that are warm and welcoming. And that let people know that when they reach out to you, you're going to, first of all, respond and be receptive and possibly be the solution to their problem. And I think digital profile right now, folks, is such a huge thing because really, in a lot of areas, it's all we have. And as we start to see the pandemic numbers go back up nationwide and across the globe and people are starting to shutter down things again, business continues on. And so you've got to make an impression and you've got to still get your message out there and you've got to have something that works with it. I will say that I can attest to the fact that when you get really good quality pictures back, looking through all of them and choosing is not near as difficult either. I think when you just go and get, uh, you know, I, I think of back in the old days when you could get in the little photo booth and get four shots for a quarter kind of thing. They just happen so rapidly. And then you look at them and you don't like any of them. But when you take the time and invest, and this is an investment, folks, this is an important investment in business, should be something that's right up there with ordering office supplies and making sure you have a good computer and all the things that you're doing, particularly those of you in the ed tech space, don't forget doing this. This is just as important as the other things that you're working on in your marketing package. And that is put good money towards getting quality photos and you will be amazed at the fact of what you get back. You're going to like a good majority of them and you're going to find purpose and use for all of them. So it's definitely a worthwhile investment. And it's something that if it's not on your financial sheet for having done in 2021, it needs to be added. Talk to us a little bit, John, about your business pivot this last spring, because I was so impressed with the fact that You as an individual business owner who, uh, when doing your brand portraits, was traveling, taking people's pictures right on site Mm -hmm. where they were at, or maybe with backgrounds that were meaningful to them, like Central Park and those kinds of things. But Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about how you made the decision to brand pivot and how you came up with the idea of doing this through the, the virtual focus. Yeah. It's been an interesting year. If you told me in January that I would have made a living shooting a laptop on a folding table in various rooms of my apartment as I roll around on the floor and clean the apartment with the sweatpants that I was wearing day after day, I would have said you were out of your mind. But (laughs) here we are. Basically, what happened was the world shut down. I got sick with COVID. I had a bit of a dark period where I didn't pick up a camera. I didn't do much. I could barely get up and walk from the living room to the kitchen. And I was simply trying to reconnect with people. And I'm a a photography sponsor for the National Speakers Association, the New York City chapter. And up until March of this year, I 
would go every month to their chapter meetings and cover the event, live event photos and capture other image assets for the chapter as a sponsor. And they put on the first virtual event in April. And just as a way to see familiar faces, I signed up for it and I just wanted to watch and listen. And as I was listening to the opening remarks of the, of, uh, the MC, I decided, you know what? Let me just pick up the damn camera and just take a picture of the screen just to feel useful. I just wanted to feel like I was doing something again. And when I looked back at the camera, I realized that I didn't hate what I shot. I'm like, it actually looked kind of interesting. So I decided to shoot the rest of the program. And I took those photos the next day. I wrote a post literally expressing what I just said about feeling useful and trying to get my head wrapped around something constructive and positive. And the next thing you know, it was shared by a couple of people that were tagged in the post. And from that one post, it led to two shares. And those two shares led to a business just like that. So, you know, one of the things that I think is so fascinating by this is that you took a really horrible situation of which we're all on the surface for the most part understanding, but you really have, have lived through the pandemic in, in an entirely different way. But you also took the opportunity to say, okay, my business isn't going to be running in the same way that it has in years past. So, right. you know, let's let's take advantage of an opportunity and let's let's see what we can do different. Part of that is your business savvy and part of that is your eye for recognizing when there's a new way to define art, I think. Yeah, there's definitely that, the artistic component, because at the end of the day, I am an artist first and foremost, who has monetized his art in a way that does not compromise his integrity. You know, that's how I position everything I do now, because I come from a world of talk show television, which is a little bit of a different spin. And there's definitely that. But the other thing is, it's really about zoning in on your clients, figuring out what are their points of friction and how can I help solve them? It's really quite that simple. But at the same time, you know, when you're under major duress, you're depressed, you're anxious, your city is on fire, there's ambulances zipping up and down your block every day. It was part selfish because I needed the diversion and I needed to be productive and I needed to do something to get myself out of the funk. But it also is a win-win for my clients because it's exactly what they needed and none of us knew they would need it. We had no idea, you know, and the funny part is how many people have been on Zoom for over a decade, and yet that need has never been fulfilled. But now there is a place where people who predominantly work online now have a way to showcase what they do in a really professional, high-level way that is far more sophisticated and compelling and interesting than just simply snapping a photo with your iPhone. Absolutely. For myself, because I work virtually, it makes more sense to my clients because this is how I work. I don't have a storefront. I have a home office. Uh, all of my clients are all over the globe and that's wonderful. And so it fits in with the persona rather than having the traditional headshot that 
just kind of looks more like an ID photo than an actual part of my marketing package. And I think, you know, one of the things that you said was the fact that it was a win-win for our listeners. That's something that I really want you to take to heart. We all have situations that hit us, that impact us. Obviously, the pandemic is really making a change in terms of financial stability and clientele and really being able to hang on to your current clients because obviously their financial situation changes as well. But it's keeping that open mind and looking around and seeing where's that opportunity? What else can you do? And how can you continue to add value for them even more so when it's a time where they're struggling because they're feeling just like you are. They're struggling. They're in a dark spot sometimes. They're worried about keeping their doors open. So the more help you can give them, the more value you are to them. So I appreciate you sharing that with us, John, because I think it's just, it's such a valuable lesson and, and it's really just come to its own life in looking at, at all the different pictures and photos you do on Zoom. You talked a little bit about your your background previously in, in television production, but mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about how you got to photography, you know, your years of experience and, and how you've gotten to where you're at now. It started in 2003 when I was in graduate school for an MFA degree in television production. And it was my last semester. I needed an elective class. And I saw that one of the options was 35 millimeter black and white photography. And I thought my first thought was, ah, that's a layup. I'm taking it. (laughs) So I took the class and it's funny, my last semester of graduate school, and it was the best class I had ever taken in my entire life. I absolutely fell in love with the process of going in the little corner of the room and popping the canister and getting the film out and doing all of that stuff. And that that was something that stuck with me as I then started my career as a television producer for a talk show, Maury, the talk show. And during that time, probably about halfway in, about four or five years in, I found my, I bought a camera. And one of the things that I found from my job was that it was becoming very repetitive, very rote type of work. It was same, it was basically a factory with cameras shooting what we were shooting. A lot of emotion, a lot of crazy stuff. And there was a lot of takeaways from that experience, but ultimately the work became very repetitive and I felt creatively stifled. So I just picked up the camera, walked around New York City, you know, when I had free time. And then I... During a shoot for the show, I met a professional headshot photographer who was doing something with a segment for one of our teenage shows. And I fell in love with headshot photography. That led to me working with that guy as my mentor in a group that he had. And I became a professional headshot photographer. So for the last two or three years working on the show, the weekdays were for TV, the weekends were photography. So I would shoot all day Saturday, edit all the photos Sunday, back to work on Monday. And I did that for years. And ultimately I decided to quit my job after going through the death of my mom. I kind of had a bit of a crisis of uh, faith of what am I doing with my life? (laughs) (laughs) So the next thing you know, I jump out a window, quit my job, no safety net. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be a photographer. 
And that progressively uh, led to a lot of sleepless nights and freaking out and not sure what to do because at no point in my life was I ever seeking the instability of being a business owner until I started to find some stability and realized this, this has the potential to be an amazing way to live life. And it kind of developed from there. Ultimately, what ended up shaping my niche towards expert-based business owners was working with experts and working with clients that had hyper-specific needs to promote their services. And my first client had to promote a book and she needed image content uh, for her social because the publisher was begging her to create a social presence, which she did not have. So we created a whole library of what is now branded lifestyle portraiture. As I was shooting that session, I turned to her husband, her uh, it's a husband wife team. And as we're walking from the park in, we were in Brooklyn, they're in Brooklyn. So we're walking across the street from the park back to the studio. And I turned to him and I go, Hey, I think this is kind of cool. I think I could do this for other people. He's like, yeah, dude, you could definitely do it for other people. And there it was. And that was it. <laughs> and that's how it started. Wow. And that's so important for our audience, because I think what we're seeing right now is obviously there's always people doing startups, but there's a lot of people who are losing their jobs or deciding to take early retirement. And they're looking at what's phase two. And I think, uh, you know, listeners, what you can learn from John is you've got to be open to the experience and you start to whittle down what you really enjoy and what really fuels your passion. And then you start to figure out how does that work and how do you make that fit? And as you hear, it's not an overnight process. It's not for any of us. But when you get to where you want it to be, it's really quite exciting and it's quite beneficial because you enjoy what you do and you're bringing such value to others. And even during the pandemic, you were able to pivot that a little bit and still make that connection that people were looking for and people were needing and take all of your previous experience and bundle it in that. So lessons learned. You know what it really boils down to is it, it boils down to fundamentally understanding one thing and that's the work is not ultimately about you. Even though it fuels you, it drives you, it's the thing that you get up for and you're excited and it's amazing. It's not for you. It's for them. Everything that you do is in service. When you work, when you create a product, when you offer a service, it is meant to make someone else's life better or to get them from point A to point B or to break the plateau and reach new heights. And once you understand that that's what this is all about, that really helps give you the perspective to break through the monotony or the rut or the sticky point or any friction from getting you in front of the people that you want to serve. So once I really took that to heart, which took honestly at least two to three years of working as a professional photographer, it really helps expedite the process of you constantly re, uh, constantly evolving the way in which you serve because it's never stagnant. It always changes. Why? Because life changes. People change. Interests change. Things 
go from here to there and you need to be able to keep up. And the way to keep up is to always remember that you're doing this for others in one way or another. I think that is just so fantastic. And it's so true. And it's the reason why we get into consulting, you know, in, in various levels and in uh, different titles, but it's, it's that relationship building and giving that service to, you know, one-to-one or one-to-two, but it's really about having that ability to work with people and to just enjoy it and take advantage of it. So you know, I hope as people are thinking through careers and thinking through what they're wanting to do, you know, next, that they're keeping these things in mind, because it is, he's absolutely right. It's not just chugging along every day and, and building the next great widget. Those are all fabulous things as well. But it's really important to understand who you're serving and wanting to do that with the very best that you can. John, I'm going to ask you to give us some tips in terms of If you're looking for a photographer, obviously, if you're available, and uh, I always recommend going to you, but you know, if you're looking for a photographer to do headshots, brand shots, whatever it is that you're looking for, what what are some key things that you should look for when you're going to hire someone to do this? Okay. I love this question. And thank you for asking it because it's something that doesn't often get discussed because the assumption (laughs) is that we stop at the price tag and the portfolio. And what I say is that's the starting point, not the end, all be all. What you need to do is get on the phone with that person and qualify his or her personality. And by qualifying, I mean, are you responsive? Is there a rapport? Do you feel an ease of communication between the two of you? Because if you don't have that, you can have the most famous photographer come down from the heavens in a cloud of magic and (laughs) and have all the equipment in the world and assistance left, right, up and down. The photos ultimately will look like crap because you are not connected with the photographer. I cannot stress to you how important it is to understand before you sign on the dotted line whether or not there is a rapport because it is one of the most critical aspects of the uh, success of the shoot. The other one is when you are qualifying photographers on that phone and, and getting a sense of his or her personality, also find out at what level Are they a specialist for who you are and the types of photos that you need? You see, I work with expert-based business owners and specifically presenters of some shape or form because that is the direction that I've gone with my work. And it makes sense because I'm a producer and I've worked behind a camera for thousands of interviews before I even set foot in front of a headshot client. So that kind of skill translates. Now, if you hire a wedding photographer to shoot a headshot, that already is problematic because it's a different skill. It's like as if you hired an electrician to fix the plumbing under your sink. We're not all the same. So keep that in mind when you're looking for the right photographer. Yes, portfolio and the price tag is the starting point based on where you are with what you're trying to do in terms of a budget. But beyond that, if all things are fair, 
It's about their personality and how prepared they are to shoot the type of stuff that you want. And a key to the preparation part is, do they even have a strategy call with you? Are they going to ask you questions or are you just going to show up at a park or some office space somewhere and just wing it? That you don't want either. So those are the things to keep in mind when qualifying photographers before the session. Those are fabulous. And, you know, if you think about it, folks, think about when someone you know who you love or have a really great relationship with says, hey, let me take your picture. Those pictures come back. You see them on Facebook all the time. You're smiling, you're laughing, you're having a great time. When somebody you don't know says, oh, everybody stand over here and I'll take a picture. You can see it in people's faces. They're, they're a little hesitant. They're a little cold. Yeah. They smile, but it's, it's a forced smile. Because they don't have that that repertoire. There, there's not that, I'm totally at ease. I know you're going to do a great job. You're going to make me look my best. Those other pictures are, oh, they're not even going to tell me if my hair is out of place, you know? So yes. even a basic, basic iPhone picture, you know in your heart who's going to do a good job for you and who isn't. So definitely when you're making an investment like this, you want to get someone who's really going to capture you. And you want someone that it's not a one-time thing. You want to be able to say, hey, next year, you know, I want to do this. Or in six months, I've got, some, you know, something particular coming up and I'm going to need particular photos for that event. You want to be able to have someone that you can work with throughout the different types of ways that you're building your business, building your brand, moving yourself out into that social media presence and also just out to your audience and your prospective audience. So with regards to uh, working with someone over and over, it's not only because of the rapport and you know that the results will be basically guaranteed. It's also that the look of your photos from year to year will be consistent because the same shooter is capturing you. And that helps with the trust issue. The thing we talked about earlier with the 10-year-old foot, you won't have to worry about that because you're working with someone who will create consistent high level content that will match the stuff from last year to the next year. And that really helps your brand and keep that consistency across the board. I think it's just, it's fabulous. And I hope our listeners not only learn from the business perspective, but are also starting to think about their own business, their own brand, where they're going and what they're going to be focusing on as they move forward in the future. John, what is your website address? It is a very, very complicated URL known as johndamato.com. <laughs> <laughs> I got real exotic when I came up with it, you know. <laughs> we will also list that on all the podcast locations so you can have easy access to that as well. John, is there anything else you want to share with us as we wrap up today? Yeah, I think one of the things about image content is that people get caught up on it being simply a box to check within their to-do list of, of things to do. But what I like to tell my clients is that you shouldn't look at it as a task. Think of it as a celebration. It's a celebration of the fact that you are in a wonderful position to be able to help impart your wisdom on those who need to hear it most. And when you treat it in a way that you're being honest in front of that camera and you're displaying that emotion, you're putting your best foot forward. 
to create that emotional connection with someone, to get them hooked into who you are so that they want to learn more about you. So when you think about photos, don't just think of it as something to do. Think of it as an amazing opportunity to get out into the world and do your thing. That is fantastic advice and so true. I can attest to that. I use photos that John has done all over the place and I constantly get comments on them. People really like them. And it's interesting, the context of the comments, which are they love the fact that I'm in a laptop screen. They love the fact that they can see, you know, that I'm doing something on Zoom, that I'm teaching, that I'm maybe holding a meeting or it just fits with what I do and it fits with our world right now. So it becomes a win-win for me as well. I do look forward to shooting you in a real room though. Just, you know, FYI, I mean, the virtual is great, but I look forward to real life. Just, you know, letting you know. I, I would agree to that. Someday I'll be an actual whole person, but for now it's working really good. We'll take so, what we can get. Exactly. So John, I want to thank you for joining me today. This has been just great. Some great business points for our listeners, some great marketing and personal branding points, so much information. And I know that everyone will learn so much from this. I want to thank all of you out there listening with us today and hope that you catch our next episode as well. Please look for us on Amazon, Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And you can visit our website at www.downingedtech.com. Until next time, keep learning. Thank you for listening to EdTech Speaks with EdTech strategist Cher Downing. To learn more about the services Downing EdTech and its staff can provide you, find us at www.downingedtech.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to share it. We'd also like to hear from you regarding any suggestions for topics or guests and the value you received from our show. Check back for new podcasts with featured guests at www.downingedtech.com backslash podcast. Thank you.